You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about book finishing rituals and interviewing author Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Well, I got a book in the mail. You know, I rarely order physical books. If you listen to this show, you know that about me. But I was really looking forward to this one and... If you want me to order your book in the mail in a physical copy, put little pictures in it because that's going to really determine. Bria determine loves this. an illustrated I book. An illustrated book. Um, so uh, I am. I got Goodbye Again, Essays, Reflections, and Illustrations by Johnny Sun, who passed us uh, the we show. We should ask him to be on the show again. Um, I'm excited about this book. It's very cool. And um, also, um, yeah, it, it, it is very cool. It's like. It's a lot of, uh, you know, if you follow Johnny's son or you've read anything of his in the past, um, uh, he he has this very, like, personal way of talking about what he's going through. It's very non-pretentious. I don't know what to say. Approachable, maybe, is the word for non-pretentious. Um, essay is just about, like sort of his mental health, sort of, uh, like, I've only re- read a couple of them, but, like, the it's, you know, there's a whole a whole section about, like, how to care for a succulent. Uh, there's a section about, but it, but it all, you know, has, like, kind of a bigger meaning. There's, there's a lot about, at the beginning, about working, and I guess he wrote a lot of these, um, uh, on his own, and he's trying to do something that was not work-related when he was writing them, but then ended up trying, st- deciding to publish them. Uh, and it's something I can relate to a lot is is um, uh, when you're, he talks about, like, being somewhere and being like, I'm having a good time, but should I be working? Uh, and, and always having that feeling in the back of your mind. Uh, the essays are very short, so this is, like, the perfect book to put on your phone, even though it has cute illustrations and you should see them in real life. Maybe also just to whatever. I'm just saying standing in line at a grocery store, Whatever, this is like the perfect book because the essays are literally um, like a page or less. There's, some of them are like four lines. Ah. So they're really great. I love essays like that where it's just like, here's the point. Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's my thoughts. Um, and I just kind of want to <laughs> live in his head. It's so great. I love it. It's really well written. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? So I am, for the foreseeable future, I'm probably going to be mostly just reading YA and horror uh, because as you know, I just moved and those are the only books that we've unpacked. (laughs) So I only, I was looking for a book to read the other day and I was like, oh my God, I only have access to my YA and horror books. Um, But luckily this book was in the horror section because I've been excited to read it for a little bit. Um, It is The Auctioneer by Joan Sampson. If you are a big Grady Hendrix fan, you know that he is partnered with this publisher called Valancourt Books to re-release horror classics and horror books that he loves that have gone out of print. So Grady Hendrix goes into like the deep spider-filled archives of horror history (laughs) and finds like books that are really noteworthy but have gone out got, gone out of print for whatever reason and this book is one of them and um it, it was huge in the 70s and like uh like was a bestseller and like uh really made a huge impact um but it just went out of print and Brady Hen- Grady Hendrix saved it uh so it's about about this small town in New Hampshire, which I get excited about. You know, I love New England books. Uh, and this like creepy auctioneer comes and starts uh, wanting to change the town and trying to get everybody to donate. Cause it's all a town of farm people. And he's trying to get everyone to donate things to uh, sell at auction so they can uh, benefit the town. But before long, he wants more and more and more. And he comes every week and asks people for more things. And it's definitely, it's a hundred percent the thing that Stephen King uh, got inspiration for for needful things Mm. because it's this like creepy auctioneer who comes and he like 
everyone loves him except for this like one guy who's really suspicious and like he's like wait a minute who's this creepy guy here and everyone's like no he's wonderful we love him so much and he's like man i think this is bad um and the the it it feels very it's like stephen king it's like needful things but with shirley jackson uh and it's so much fun it's so creepy the dread is building really well and um it's just really well written you get a, a really a good sense of living in a small town in new england and like the wood smoke and the leaf smell and it's wonderful um so that is the auctioneer by joan sampson and mine is goodbye again by johnny's son So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Isabel writes in with some hot bookmark tips. I feel like we've gotten the most hot Hot. book tips about bookmarks. A hot bookmark tip is like a flaming bookmark. It's like a flaming bookmark you like throw. (laughs) (laughs) Like instead of a flaming arrow shot from Mm -hmm, a bow, mm -hmm. it is a bookmark shot shot into a book. (laughs) <laughs> yes, flying across the sky directly into your book. Um, so Isabella says, on the episode about bookmarks, I wanted to comment on my own preferred method for marking books. I take a strip of paper from anywhere I can find. I then use this to write comments on the book while reading so I don't have to write on the book. I use this mostly for creating glossaries, which is great for old-timey books and books in foreign languages, or writing short character bios, which is great for books with a fuck ton of characters. Mm. I even use this to convert imperial to metric, something I had to do while reading The Lady from the Black Lagoon. Oh, ah. they must live. Li- <laughs> must live. Oh, loved it, by the way. Can't wait for girly drinks. Thank you. Uh, you can then leave the bookmark inside the book to help the next reader or for your own rereading experience. Another note on bookmarking. I'm a weirdo who can't stand dog ears to mark your place on a book, but I will also dog ear a paperback from beginning to end to mark my favorite parts. Don't worry, Mallory. My Lady from the Black Lagoon is a hardcover. Isabella, you are totally welcome to dog ear uh, your paper. If you ever get a paperback copy of Lady from the Black Lagoon, you can totally dog ear the shit out of it. I think that's great. Um, just fills my heart with joy to see a book on a shelf to be full of ears, bookmarks, and have a worn out <laughs> spine. P.S. 12 Hour Shift is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, thank you very much. Wow. I love how much work Isabella does in each book and that she's leaving. How exciting would it be to get this book and have this bookmark in it? Like that has yes. like the description of the, of the characters um, and, and a little like glossary. That. Yeah, I know. It's like a little glossary, a glossary by another person. I love it. Also, um, I had... When it, she said imperial to metric, I was like, what is imperial? That's what we have, I guess. <laughs> um, I didn't I realize think so. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she's saying. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love, I love this because, you know, we've all had that experience of getting a used book and you realize it's full of like underlinings and highlights and you're like, oh, God damn it. But how nice would it be to like just have a little bookmark with all those notes in it? So you if you don't feel like reading them, you can put it away. And if you do want it, you got it right there. I love yeah. this. I think this is a very hot book tip. It's also a little bit of, um, it's a little bit of annotating too. Um, like it's like small amounts of annotating to help you remember stuff. Yeah. Love it. Um, Christy wrote in, I teach English and your approach to reading has enhanced my own in the classroom where choice has always been a cornerstone. But now I explicitly teach kids to dump their books if they're not working. Yay. Uh, I love that. I think, honestly, I really think if more teachers taught kids that it's okay, if you're like, not obviously not if you're reading a book for school, but if you're reading a book for pleasure and you don't like it, it's okay to put it down and find a new one. Yeah. This week's episode on poetry was great, but you left out a super fun form of poetry that I believe would be a great fit for a lot of glassers. 
Novels written in verse. Oh, yeah, this is true. Uh, I don't typically read collections of independent poems, but I gobble up poems that know, that tell a longer story, such as Crank, Brown Girl Dreaming, or, or Love That Dog. I strongly recommend for readers who lean more towards novels that they explore novel in verse as their favorite genre. I'm willing to bet they find one. Oh, yeah, there's a couple. There's one called... Um, a Long Way Down, is that what it is? That- oh, by Jason Reynolds. Reynolds? Yeah, that's yeah. a really, that's a good novel in verse. Um, and there's one, there's one that, I, a werewolf one that I love called Teeth by, I think it's by Toby Barlow. Um, pretty sure. And it's all about a werewolves in Los Angeles who are trying to evade the dog catchers. Oh, I love it. LA. I love it. It's really fucking good. Um, And Christy included uh, her wheelhouse. My wheelhouse so far is time travel, stories that give voice to American slaves, multi-generational stories, multiple points of view, multiple storylines. Okay, we're sensing a theme here. Uh, (laughs) uh, Magical realism, unreliable narrators, glad you like that, and really artful foreshadowing. Basically, the more complicated the novel, the better. Uh, side note, loving Storygraph off of Mallory's recommendation. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, I love uh, Christy's ordering a book. She's just like, give me all of it. I want all the storylines. I want all the characters. Yeah. I, I want to know what every single person is doing for every moment of the book. Uh, okay, so quick bookmark from us. The Page to Screen Book Club is coming up on May 8th. We finally chosen a time. It's going to be noon LA time, noon Pacific time. Uh, we will put that in the show notes. But you, all you got to do to participate is read Jenny Hans to all the boys I've loved before and watch the movie on Netflix. Uh, I've already read the book and I have a lot of thoughts and I'm going to be watching the movie the night before so it'll be nice and fresh in my brain. But I am so, this is going to be a book that's really fun to talk about uh, with you, Bria. It's going to be really, really fun to talk about with our listeners. I'm really excited to see what all the listeners have to say. It's going to be on Instagram live may 8th at noon pacific time we are so excited so that's to all the boys i've loved before by jenny han and the film on netflix also the most exciting bookmark we ever have every year bria maximum fun drive 2021 is here it's It's here it does feel like we just had it it feels like that was just yesterday that we did all of those things it is. Well, I think mostly because of the pandemic, it has made time weird. But I mm-hmm. think because we did so many things and like so many events that like came after the drive. Like I read the Bible. We like interviewed Sean. We've been doing the page to screen book club. Um, but yeah, it's happening now. It's happening again. What, yeah. So when, but we're doing a kickoff. We're doing a kickoff. So it starts um, May 3rd, which is in a few days when you hear this episode. And we're going to do a live stream kickoff um, at 3.30 p.m. PST um, on our Instagram, where we're going to talk about all of the things that we are doing. But it's some exciting stuff coming up. But we're doing the thing. We know something that we're just going to reveal this right now. Something that everybody really liked was when we would give personalized book recommendations based on your wheelhouse live on Instagram, which we're, so we're going to do the kickoff on the third, but on the fourth, we're going to get on and do the live recommendations the night of the fourth. So if you give on the third, if you give that first day and send us your wheelhouse, we'll do a book recommendation for you live on the fourth. And all this information will be on our Instagram and, um, uh, also in the, um, newsletter if you get it. Uh, but, and we'll explain it all again on the third, but if you want that and you want, you have to, if you want that live, that book recommendation, you neither need to join or upgrade your membership. And we will uh, give you that live book recommendation on the 4th. 
Yeah. So if you're a new listener and you're not a Maximum Fund member, that basically every every year we do a Maximum Fund drive. Maximum Fund is the podcast network that we're a part of. And if you love the show and you want to support us, you can sign up to do so every month. Um, so k- stay tuned for all the Maximum Fund stuff, uh, for all the Maximum Fund drive stuff. It's happening very soon. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about what we do when we finish a book, we're going to take a quick break. Bria, in 2021, it's finally okay to talk about our mental health. That's why we're excited this week for Reading Glasses to be sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions. They'll match you with a therapist in under 48 hours, and it's easy to change therapists if needed. How amazing is this? You get to buy shoes online. You get to buy books online. You even get to buy your groceries online. And now you can see your therapist online. Super convenient. Fantastic. We all know that sometimes if you if you've ever been to therapy or you know know anything about therapy, you know that sometimes it's tough to find the therapist that's right for you. And that's why it's fantastic that with BetterHelp, it's so easy to change therapists. It's totally fine. Be like, hey, this isn't working out. Find somebody else that works for you. And remember, you don't need a traumatic event to benefit from therapy. Maybe you're feeling anxious or depressed or your stress feels like it's too much to manage. You can get some tools to help you cope and make your life just a little bit easier. I have been going to therapy regularly for, oh my God, I don't even, years and years and years. It's, I like to think of therapy as going to the gym before your brain. It's a way to help you cope with whatever's going on in life. Plus, BetterHelp is way more affordable than in-person therapy. So... Just check it out. See if it's for you. So this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Reading Glasses. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash glasses. Uh, so that's BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Help. As in uh, someone is helping your brain. Mm-hmm. Help. Dot help. <laughs> uh, so that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash glasses. 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 Mr. Robotman, what are you doing? I'm just taking one last look at my co-workers. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Black, the space will be with you always. Sorry, who are you again? Master Kieran. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Don't you have to do it. You have to shoot Black. Okay. You shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. I'm flying. I'm flying. On April 28th, the saga starts concluding. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix, the final season on Maximum Fun. (laughs) 
So this week, we're talking book finishing rituals. Do you do anything special when you finish reading a book? Do you journal about it, review it, post about it online? Maybe have a cigarette and stare off into the sunset, swish a bit of cognac around in a snifter. Light it on fire, throw it right into the garbage. Uh, Create a bonfire, which you howl at the moon next to. Besides the book burning part, that sounds fun. Um, This episode idea was sent in by Caitlin, who said... Uh, She said, your podcast was so important a few years ago when I was in a reading rut and feeling pretty down about it. Y'all helped me get back uh, into the insatiable love of reading that I had back in middle school. One problem I'm encountering is that when I finish a book, I'm already so excited for the next one that I jump right in immediately. I think this is keeping me from remembering what I read and from fully appreciating it. Do you have any finishing a book rituals? So Bria, what do you what do you do when you finish a book? Do you put it in a little salt circle and Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a little uh yeah. Yes, I I um I don't have anything funny to say. I was trying to come up with another weird, weird ritual. Um uh, I'm not really. I mean, I have the things that I do. I post it on Goodreads, just like a, like, I read it, whatever, so people know, because I know I have a lot of friends on Goodreads, um, and also it just helps me to keep tra- track of things because we do this show, and I often am like, what is a good book for this? And I'll go back through my Goodreads and think and remember books that way. Um, and then at night, uh, the night after I finish it or the next few nights, I go into my little book journal, and I give it, like, a more specific rating, like, uh, as far as like an ABC, which we've talked about it on the show, like A plus C minus whatever, um, just so I can remember. And especially, um, again, that's helpful for our year end of year lists. When I'm thinking about what I like be- best, I can be like, oh, it's all the A pluses are going to be like the competitors. Weirdly, I always have like way more A pluses than I probably should. Um, but that... That that are, those are just sort of my rituals. I don't do anything special. I don't like you know do an honorific ceremony or um, <laughs> a public you put on a, a public, robe. I become a public choir uh, crier where I just run <laughs> through the streets and I, I finished a book. Um, I also try to post it to my Instagram at some point and be like, oh hey, I read this, and I find that started a lot of good conversations and and also. Um, a lot of people respond and they're like, should I read this? And I'm like, yes, or no, or I don't know you. So like you do what you want to do. Um, so I have those sort of rituals. I wouldn't call them like, it's not ritualistic. It's not like I'm sitting down and doing like an essay, uh, which I think of as more ritual. What about you? Do you do a ritual? Would you classify what you do as a ritual? Um, Maybe. I mean, again, there's no like uh, sage burning or robes involved, but like I, I do total uh, one. I totally understand, Caitlin. Um, I definitely when I finish a real, I finish a really good book. Uh, I have the impulse impulse to be like, yes, bring me another immediately. Like that scene from I don't know which Marvel movie it is when Thor like has coffee for the first time and then smashes the glass down and goes, bring me another one. Like <laughs> that, I definitely understand like when you it's like eating a good cookie, you know, when you eat a good book, you know, you're immediately like, wow, I want another one. Did you like, say you, when I want- you eat a good book? No, when you eat a good cookie. And I think you said eat a good book. Just, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's my secret ritual is I eat them afterwards. Um, I wish because then I wouldn't have so many books to carry up a mountain uh, when I moved. Um, but yeah, so I understand that impulse and like you, you're almost so excited. Uh, you're almost so wrapped up in the feeling of, wow, this was, I just had such a great experience that you aren't even thinking about the book itself. You just want to have more of that feeling. Um 
So to help me appreciate the book that I just read, I try to marinate in it a little bit. Um, So I immediately mark it down in my book buddy app um, because the way that I feel when I finish a book is what I want to capture in my star rating. Um, That's always the most important thing to me. Even if there were like problems with the book, if it left me feeling like really satisfied and excited, like that's how I want to rate it. Like I rate totally based on my gut. I'm not sitting there and going, well, you know, the sort of the story arc was a little weird in this spot. I'm just like, no, it's all about my feelings. Um, and after I do that, um, sometimes I will look for essays or pieces about it online. Uh, you know, I never read reviews of books, but if I loved a book, I really enjoy like reading an essay about it or the thoughts about it from book people that I like. Um, friend of the show, Alex Brown always has great thoughts about the books that they read. So I always love reading their blog and their, their tweets about books. Um, I also love reading the book extras if a book has them, like, uh, you know, the acknowledgments, the Q&A with the author or something like that. Um, and if I have this weird thing, if I finish a book at night before bed, I'll always wait to pick out the next book that I'm going to read until the next day. Mm. I will never do it the night before. Um, but yeah, I like to, I'll, I will sit there for, I don't know. But then what do you 20, read? 30. What do you read before bed then if you finish the book? Oh, then I go to, then I, uh, if I have not. You force if I, yourself to go to bed. <laughs> I force myself to go to bed or I'll fill, I, I like to fill in the gaps with the National Geographic. Ah, that'll, uh, okay. that'll get, that'll, that'll hold me over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like to, I do like to try to marinate in, in the book a little bit and just like, it's like watching the, the extras on a DVD, you know, after you watch a movie, you know, like sure. I love a behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so do, do you think you don't really have book finishing rituals, but do you, you know, do you think the things that you do after finishing a book, like posting it on Instagram, um, or, or, you know, marking it down on Goodreads, do you think that enhances your reading life at all? Or do you think it makes you appreciate the book a little bit more? Well, like I said, I think it like the posting on the Goodreads and stuff helps me kind of create community, like where I end up talking to people about books. Um, and I think also, um, writing down like a score or something helps me, um, you know, think about, reflect on how I feel about it in that moment, which is like good and bad. Cause sometimes, you know, you later on, you're like, I did really like that book or I didn't like that as much as I thought. One way actually, I mean, it's funny that Caitlin brings up the remembering of a book because I, I do have a theory that if a, if a book stuck with you, it is a better book. And if it didn't stick with you and you can't, and later on you're like, what was that about? Like you probably were not very moved by that book. Cause I feel like we connect, um, you know, emotion and memory are all connected. And if it, if it didn't cause great emotion in you and you, or you didn't super enjoy it, you, emotion in any way, happiness, sadness, or whatever, I don't think that it is a memorable, if it's not a memorable book, then maybe it wasn't that important to you and it's okay that you didn't remember it. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> mean- Thanks, I, brain, for wiping that from, from my mind. I think that's okay. I think it's okay. Although some, what's weird is I remember some of the worst books I read too because it was like slogging through them was like traumatic. And so I'm like, oh, that old thing, you know? So I don't know. The ones in the middle kind of get, you know, erased because uh, your brain's like, I don't have to remember this. This was not a poison berry and it was not a delicious mushroom. So- my brain, your like animal brain doesn't. <laughs> I actually wonder what it. is between a poison berry and a delicious mu- grass, mushroom, just like grass. a blade of grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that because so we just moved and I did my first book purge, like huge book purge ever, um, and I got rid of like five boxes of books. I got rid of a shitload of books, and a lot of those books were books that I was like, okay, I've read this, but I don't remember anything yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And there was one book that I was like, this seems like it would be in my wheelhouse, but I've definitely read this, and I have no strong memories connected to this all right goes going in the box yeah I think that's a good way to think about it if it yeah no strong memories either way um but 
again, like, I think me writing this stuff down, at the very least, it helps my life because I do this podcast and I have to be able to know what my end-of-year books are. But it also helps my life when I'm just, like, the Goodreads and, like, my my little book journal when I'm trying to, like, think of recommendations for people or something like that. But it's very rare that I just go through and, like, oh, what about this? Like, which is, I think, one of the sad things about being an e-reader is that you don't have, like, that shelf of books where you're like, oh, yeah, that book. Like, that that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, so the Instagram should thing be is some good. sort of like gallery that you can look at that you can create. I created one on my Instagram, which is like as much as I can do, you know, and I think that <laughs> that that kind of works. And I know people look at it a lot because people will go through my stories like I have the saved story thingies, highlights or whatever. And they'll go through and be like, oh, you read this book or whatever. Should I read this? Like they'll go back through my old ones from like, you know, a year ago or something. Uh, what about you? Do you think your your marinating enhances your reading life? <laughs> uh, like all marinating does, I do think it enhances it. Um, so I think anything that makes you happy enhances your reading life. And I think getting a deeper understanding or appreciation of a book definitely makes me happy. Um, sometimes I'll read an essay that gives me a totally different perspective or makes me realize something about the story that I completely fucking missed. Um, I love that. Um, I also... like. Sometimes uh, like on on the Reading Glasses Slack channel, we have a spoiler sub channel. Mm -hmm. um, We call it the spoiler zone. uh, And uh, glassers go in there to talk about books they've read and like able to talk about it in a spoilery way. And sometimes after I'll read a book, I'll go in there to check um, because I love uh, I love seeing seeing what people thought of things. And there's so many so many ways that you know, reading a book is such an individual experience that I love to see. Oh, like what did what did you, oh, you thought this thing about the ending. Well, I totally didn't realize that. I totally thought this other thing. Um, that I, I love doing that. It just, it, it's very exciting to me. And plus, um, you know, reading the book extras does the same thing for me. I am a huge behind the scenes person. Uh, I love seeing how things are made. Um, and so I love reading about how a book was written or, um, you know, or, how, what the author thinks the, the diff or what the, 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 um, the book club questions are like what Mm -hmm. the, what they want you to think about the book. I really think it enhances my book appreciation experience. Uh, some people don't like to know how the, the vegan sausage is made, but I do like, I love, I love reading acknowledgements too, just cause it's like interesting, especially if you read like a big nonfiction book, like all the things that went into it and all the people that helped make it and all like sometimes in the acknowledgements they'll be like the author will like tell a little story of like why this person is in the acknowledgements and what they've done and I, I just think that's so interesting to me um it makes me definitely makes a book stick with me more um and helps me sort of like because I and listeners please write in if you have the same thing where I read really fast so sometimes I'll I'll, I'll like inha- just inhale a book and I have to be like okay wait a minute you need to take a moment mm-hmm. and take a breather think about it a little bit more appreciate it a little bit more instead of diving into the next book and um, I think doing all that gives me the, the, the breathing room that I need um, to be able I also think it helps like finish the process of reading um, and then you're ready to jump into the next book because uh, I think if you jump into the next book um, we get a lot of listener emails from people who are like I just ju- I, I have a really bad book hangover I think that's where the mm-hmm, book hangover comes mm-hmm. from if you tried jumping into the next book and you're like what my brain's still in this other book this isn't this isn't what I want Mm-hmm. and uh, the the new book that you've chosen doesn't have a chance. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's like jumping from one relationship to the next. I have a, I have a question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rebound book. You've chosen a rebound book. Um, uh, that's a perfect way to put it. Um, Mallory, I have a question for you that's uh, somewhat related, but do you have a ritual when you finish writing a book? 
Oh, that's very funny. Because um, I think what we're talking about here uh, is, is um, you know, life comes at you fast. And, like, this is, uh, and, like, taking these moments to sort of appreciate life. And I think it's something, like, I've tried to, the older I get, appreciate things more. And especially appreciate, I'm a person who, like, never celebrates anything i'm very bad i, I mean yeah, even I fucking holidays and stuff and the same and, and um with and movies and things like that too like when i've done a movie like i just am like oh well that's just my job you know or whatever um and so uh i think for a long time i didn't um i like early in my career i would always celebrate and then there's a a good 10 years when I didn't and now I have brought back the celebration where I'm like I'm gonna go buy myself a little cake or I'm gonna go (laughs) do this thing to celebrate the movie or like um for 12 hour shift I rented a little theater and showed it to like all of the cast and stuff and it was like just a nice little celebration that I got to do with everybody um this is pre-pandemic um and it good thing because no none of them actually got to see it in the theater because of the pandemic um uh so yeah do you have any celebrations you do when you finish writing a book it's funny because I, I am the opposite. I love celebrating things. Um, but the problem, um, maybe maybe uh, you're like this too um, when you finish directing things. Uh, when you write a book, <laughs> there's a, like you never quite know when it's finished. Yeah. Um, because you write, write the first draft and then you have to write the second draft and then you write the third draft and then you have to copy edit it and mm-hmm. then you have to page proof it. Right. So like the, 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 the goal line keeps shifting um, and you, I never know when exactly to start celebrating. Um, I guess the best way to celebrate is when uh, you get the finished book. That's what um, when, I, when I wrote Lady from the Black Lagoon, my best friend Lauren was like, celebrate, save everything for when you get the finished copies. And uh, when I finished, when I got the finished copies of Lady from the Black Lagoon, I drank an entire bottle of extremely sh- expensive champagne, watched oh Shape gosh. of Water and cried. Um, and I don't have the finished copies of Girly Drinks yet. Um, every, every time I finished a draft, I have ordered vegan che- a vegan cheeseburger and had some really nice whiskey. And then I like try to take a break for like a week or so. Yeah, um, yeah. I do but, that with every yeah. almost every draft of a screenplay. I will once I have a draft, I don't. I try not to write the next day, which is like my little reward for myself. Like, okay, you don't have to write the next day, even though like I probably have forty <laughs> other things I need to be writing. I like take a break. Just, just What's funny is I actually end up reading a bunch mm. because then I'm like, oh, my brain is as empty as as the sky. There's <laughs> nothing in there. There's nothing, no thoughts in there. It is just like nothing but dryer lint. So nice. I can just like fill it up with a book and not think about all the 5,000 things I'm thinking about um, when, when I'm writing a book. Um that's interesting. Yeah, listeners, please write in. Tell us your fit book finishing rituals. If you're a writer, I'm very interested to hear your your um, your writing finishing rituals. Um, you can always send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to author Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, we're going to take a quick break. Max Fun Drive's almost here. It starts on Monday, May 3rd, ends on May 14th, and it's the best time to support the shows you love. Here are some folks like you sharing what MaxFun and our shows mean to them. Most importantly, it's meant community. And uh, yeah, just thanks for hanging out, making joke em ups, and making my week a little bit brighter. So thanks, MaxFun, Fun, for making me a better person and making sure that I'm surrounded by better people. Thanks again for all you do. Love supporting MaxFun and uh, keep it up. Come back Monday, May 3rd for more details from your favorite hosts. 
We'll have some of the best episodes of the year, special Max Fun Drive thank you gifts, and maybe a few surprises. That's Monday, May 3rd. Until then. So here we are with author Sylvia Morena Garcia. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so what are you reading right now? Um, it varies quite a bit, but right now I am uh, reading Night at the Circus by Angela Carter. And upcoming, a couple of upcoming, upcoming books, Son of the Storm by Suyi Davies Okongboa, which is an African-inspired fantasy and Josh Mallerman's collection of novellas, Goblin. Awesome. Cool. Um, you want to tell us about your upcoming release slash re-release, The Beautiful Ones? Yes, The Beautiful Ones originally came out a few years ago, and it's getting a new edition in paperback from Tor. It's a novel of manners, and so if I guess it's easier to explain that with examples. Novels of manners are books like Emma or The Age of Innocence, works of that type. It does have uh, basically a very small magic element. Uh, one of the, well, two of the characters are able to use telekinesis to manipulate objects. But it is, for the most part, a character study and novel of manners in that sense. Between three main characters, um, it opens with a young woman who is making her debut in society in um, quasi-historical context in a kind of alternate world. And she meets this entertainer called Hector, uh, who um, has telekinetic powers. She has telekinetic powers too, feels a bit um, lost in the big city. And then the third character is um, married to uh, this young woman's cousin. And she is a um, high society lady. So three very different people and how they interact with each other. Well, I read it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I was very impressed with the the wide range uh, you have as a writer. Um, I just think it's super awesome. Um, so when you're when you're thinking about writing, do you decide on the genre first or the story first? Like, how do you decide what it's going to be? Because obviously, you can touch it into so many different categories of writing. I think about the story. Um, categories are a little bit funny and. A little bit too rigid, I think, in Anglo, in the Anglo publishing world and book world. For example, mm-hmm. with um, the beautiful ones, it's not magic realism because it doesn't have what I I, I consider magic realis- realism to be a term that is overused and overapplied, basically um, by a white society that doesn't understand Latin American literature. But nevertheless, I think this book, if I had named it Magic Realism, perhaps it might have been better understood or received by people when it originally came out because it's not an all-out fantastic um, sort of story. There are no dragons or vampires or things like that. It is very much a personal story and there is a magical element, but it's not an element that overwhelms the narrative. And in that sense, uh, it is probably closer to um, to something like that, but not really, because at the same time, this is at its heart, like I said, a novel of manners. And it's a costumerista novel, really, which is a type of um, Latin American literary genre that is very much very similar to the novel of manners, but has some divergences. 
But it's, you know, it's a category that was popular in the 19th century in Latin America and that exists as a thing. But people approaching it from the inside don't necessarily know this. And I think they can be baffled by the book and they can be upset. Like, why isn't there a lot of magic? Um, or why is this element, you know, why are the peas touching uh, the potato sort of situation? And that is something that I do find that um, is quite common in in Anglo literature, for me, uh, in Latin American literature, we don't care so much about that. Is something like the House of the Spirits uh, completely realistic or something like Aura or even like Water for Chocolate? No, there are elements mm -hmm. that occur in a space that is strange and bizarre and sometimes is completely unexplained. But that doesn't mean at the same time that the book is in a completely fantastical space and that because it's not, it's wrong. So you wouldn't say well, Borges is a bad writer because there's no dragons in his fiction. Right, definitely. Um, I love that take too. I think um, that will be very educational for our listeners as well to think about genres, especially in different areas of the world. Because you're right, we are very strict about our genres. But what I did like about this book is that I, I don't I don't often pick up a book that is a novel of manners. I'm, I don't even, I mean, until you started naming them, I couldn't have named one. Um, and I think that because your name was on it, it's probably going to get more people to uh, uh, read within a genre that maybe they don't totally understand at first. Um, but I, but it's great, and I definitely would encourage people to pick it up. Um, our listeners uh, tend to love books from various perspectives. Um, uh, do you like writing and uh, telling stories from various perspectives, or and why did you choose this form of storytelling for the beautiful ones? I have written a couple of books lately that are from a single perspective. Uh, Mexican Gothic was the latest one. It's because the text needs it. So in Mexican Gothic, I needed a very narrow perspective because I couldn't have the character. It's, it's a Gothic novel. It uses the Gothic mm -hmm. genre as its basis. I couldn't have different characters showing us different sides of the story. There needs to be an air of mystery. And Gothic novels do tend to be very much stories about women told from a single point of view. So if you go back to works like Rebecca, you don't get to see the point of view of the husband or, um, you know, the, the woman who also works in the housekeeper who also lives in that house. It's very much filtered through um, the point of view of the young married wife, which is why it's so impactful. And in that sense, um, I think the opposite can be said when you're looking at something that uh, Dangerous Liaisons, which is an epistolary novel, and it's told from the point of view of very different characters who are writing letters, and sometimes they are contradicting themselves in as they're writing you know, those letters or telling lies or manipulating people. They're saying things that are, seem to be completely different depending on the point of view of the person that you're talking about. Now, The Beautiful Ones is not quite that. It, it is not a story where every point of view is potentially unreliable. But I do think that by having different points of view, it allows you to have a better understanding of the people involved in totality. So when you're in the point of view of Valerie, um, it is a very different way that she sees herself than other people see her, than Hector, for example, sees her for a long time, and then Nina sees her. Uh, so uh, you think I get a more prismatic view of the three characters and therefore of this small niche of society that they are inhabiting. Now, it is a small niche because uh, this is uh, 
supposed to be this upper class kind of milieu, but I do think you get kind of an understanding of how these people are all very different and yet coexisting. Yeah, totally. Um, so what is your reader wheelhouse? That's like something that will make you pick up a book no matter what, uh, if you know it has this in the book. I like many different things, so it's it's hard to say specifically. I am a big fan of noirs uh, and the traditional sort of noir, not the not what people call the domestic noir now nowadays, which seems to be centered about around white women and suburban experiences, upper class experiences, but more the noir of um, the 1950s and 1960s is what I like, and uh, so works that kind of give you that vibe whether they're old or modern, are something that I enjoy very much. But otherwise, I like to be all over the place. I read very widely and I read very different things. I very much enjoy works in translation. I don't think there's enough work in translation. Um, the English language publishers export a lot of stuff into other nations, but it's kind of a black hole out there. So you many times you don't know what is being produced in Japan, in Spain, in Mexico, and other parts of the world. When I can get... Uh, works that come from other parts of the world, I find them very enjoyable. And I guess the other thing I like is what is called weird fiction, which is a subcategory of speculative fiction. And it's just um, stories that are not necessarily horror, they're not necessarily fantasy, they're just slightly askew. And Borges is a good example of that. It mostly tends to come in short fiction, to be honest. There's not so many novels that I could say that are... um, weird fiction per se that I can think about right now. But I do like that kind of liminal space where something is not quite one thing and not quite the other. Piranesi was, uh, which came out last year, I think falls in that category where it's not explicitly something that we would normally call fantastical for people who have been reading science fiction and fantasy in many ways. It kind of defies many of the notions of fantasy has to have a quest or elves or dragons or that sort of work. And yet it evokes a sense of unrealness and of dreaminess that I quite enjoyed. Nice. Um, so where can we find you online and where can people go pick up the beautiful ones? Uh, my website is silviamoreno-garcia.com. I'm, and if you go there, you can find that I'm on Twitter, on Facebook, on an Instagram. I'm probably most active on Twitter and Instagram, to be honest. And yeah, The Beautiful Ones comes out uh, April 27th in paperback and ebook and um, a new audio recording. So it's really quite wonderful. This book basically came out and was remaindered and, you know, just kind of disappeared from the world. So you won't be able to find essentially previous editions, but it's a good thing that it's coming out again and it's going to be widely available this time around. Yeah, that's, that is great. I'm excited for everyone to read it too. And I bet it's great on audiobook actually, that it seems like it would be really fun to listen to it. Indeed. Uh, Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Have a good day. Now let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Mark writes in, I binged Schitt's Creek during quarantine and I loved it so much that the day after I finished the series, I started my rewatch. I'm definitely a combination of the characters Alexis and Ted with an emphasis on Alexis. My wheelhouse is female auto slash biographies, historical fiction from World War I and before, graphic novels of any kind, and plays slash books about theater. I'm a high school theater teacher. I would love some book recs based on the characters of Schitt's Creek. Bria, 
This is all fucking you. <laughs> well, okay, I just, I focused on Alexis because I felt like I had so much to say, but maybe we'll have to go back through and do a Shit's Creek related episode or something. I don't know. Um, so if Mark loves theater, this is one I'm sure he's already read, and I wanted to mention this one to him, um, which is City of Girls, because based on what he so likes, good. which is historical fiction from World War One and above uh, and before and, and the theater stuff, Mark could have written City of Girls for all I know, because it is an awesome theater book. It has historical fiction, and there's a woman in it that kind of is like Alexis. So the writer, I think, is an Alexis type. Um Wait, who in who in city? Because I haven't seen, I I haven't watched Shit's Creek, but I have read City of Girls. Um, which character? The the girl going off and like trying to like seek her fortune or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. That's that's my fear feeling. I haven't I haven't read it in a couple years, so I read it when it came out. Um, uh, but I feel like Alexis. So this is tough because I and we have to define this because are we yeah, recommending? What is an, I haven't seen it. What is an Alexis? Oh no, I mean, are we recommending books for Alexis or books like if Ale- like if Alexis was a book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think if I think what they would want to read. What they would want to read. Okay. Well, I gave recommendations for us. So Lexus is um, the sister character, and she is... it's interesting because, you know, you think she's this rich girl and you think she's going to be like vapid or something, but she actually like has like a good heart. And, you know, she's not like maybe like the sharpest tool in the shed. Um <laughs> But she's very clever at what she knows, and she's and she's actually like sweet, and that's kind of her sweetness and her like it's a character kind of character I love, which is like sort of a sweet character doing their best, but also may not like be uh, yeah not not the smartest person on the planet, but smart at what they know, you know, um, which makes them kind of funny. And then you know she's put into this small podunk town in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, so my suggestion: I have not read this book. But according to the Celebrity Book Club podcast, <laughs> past guests of the show, uh, Jessica Simpson autobiography is a must read. And I, if you if you don't want to listen or you're scared of reading the Jessica Simpson autobiography, listen to the episode about it on Celebrity Book Club podcast because it is incredible. The things you learn about Jessica Simpson, the way they like you suddenly are like you have a whole new appreciation for Jessica Simpson in the same way you learn to appreciate Alexis over the course of what like six seasons of the show or whatever. Um, Because you're like, oh, what, this vapid girl, this like very, you know, this girl who doesn't care about anyone else. And by the end, you're like, oh no, she does care about other people. She just has like a very, her own way of doing it. Not that that's Jessica Simpson, but you think, I think there's this portrayal of Jessica Simpson in the media as like being this kind of like dummy who like uh, made a lot of poor choices. And then you find out all these things about Jessica Simpson in the book Again, haven't read it, but I listened to the podcast about it. Um, and okay, it makes I'm, take, you, like, I'm taking notes. <laughs> it makes you like think about it. Celebrity book club, plug, club, celebrity book club podcast really like has blown my mind. Um, and it, okay, so and I'm gonna say, which by the way, we've retired this book, but I'm gonna suggest it anyway. Um, oh. If Lexis is a book, if Alexis wrote a book and she is a book, I think Mark should read Priestaddy. Because I mean, you know that I'm going to co-sign on that regardless. <laughs> yeah, so so Mark, Priest Daddy is a book that we had to retire because we were recommending it so much, and it's about this woman. It's a, it is, and it's a biography, an autobiography or memoir, so I think you would like it, um, uh, about a woman whose dad decides to become a priest. And it's very 
fucking funny. And it's the funniest book I've ever read. And it's in part funny because the dad is so oblivious. And that's what Alexis is. Alexis is kind of oblivious to like her life and like what that what she's saying is completely ridiculous and the choices she makes she's making are ridiculous and she's wearing like some like insane Gucci getup or some, I don't, I named a brand, but I don't know anything about clothes. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in the middle, while she lives in, you know, this like small town, uh, like middle nowhere town where people don't care about it. Um, this is uh, this is basically Patricia Lockwood's dad <laughs> becoming a priest. And I think you would dig it. It's very funny. It's very cool. Um, wow, we could get into all the other characters, but I just gave three books, which feels like a lot. Um, this is very interesting. Most I know about Schitt's Creek is that, um, my favorite, my male hockey, my like men's hockey team, the Washington Capitals did this thing where they like made all the players like take these BuzzFeed quizzes. Oh, and my favorite player, Brendan Dillon, um, is, loves Shit's Creek and t- took the quiz and he was Alexis. He was really excited about that. And that's all I know is She's that my beloved funny. Dilly is Alexis from, She's, from she Shit's is, Creek. She is so funny. Now, I will say the character of Ted, who's introduced in the later seasons, is also so adorable. And like at first, you're like, oh, interesting, this guy. But he is like the best. He's such a good actor. And you like really, uh, yeah, he he is great. Uh, Mallory, I'll, maybe I'll try to think of a TED book. Um, but yeah, Mallory, what who, what is your suggestion here uh, for Mark? Um, so Mark, again, I have not seen Schitt's Creek. The closest I've gotten is Washington Capitals promotional videos. Um, but I do have a great recommendation for you for a theater book. Uh, it's, uh, we play ourselves by Jen Silverman. Um, and it's an adult book about a playwright who, so she has this massive career disaster and makes a very bad decision in public. Um, and she leaves New York city to stay in LA and lie low for a while, um, and sort of lick her wounds. Uh, and she ends up entangled in this like very weird film project about teenage girl fight clubs. Um, so it's, it's such a, like such a wild story. It's a really breathtaking story about female rage and professional jealousy and fame, but it's also a lot about theater and the main character's um, relation to theater and how she has, she's like sort of, she goes to this, there's a scene where she goes to this therapist and the therapist is basically like, you're in an abusive relationship with theater. Um, and it's a great book to read if you love theater uh, and love the way it makes you feel and love sort of all the dramas that go on behind the scenes. Uh, I just loved it so much. Um, and I also looked up so I did some, tried to do some research and I looked up the Shit's Creek characters and it seems like a book that Catherine O'Hara's character would really like. Um, oh, I can see that. I can see that. Where she, yeah, th- that she would have a, she does love, I mean, she's an actress and she would like a w- weird film project uh, about teenage girl fight clubs. I could see that for sure. Oh, Mallory, you know what book would be good for Ted? I, I actually am misremembering, by the way, which character Ted was. But uh, just to bring it back, he also said he loved Ted. Um, Ted is a small town veter- veterinarian, and you love that book, All Creatures. <gasps> All Creatures Great and Small yeah. by James Harriet. Yeah, which is a small town Ugh. veterinarian. So that would be yes. a good pairing right there. Uh, li- honestly, listening to the audiobook of All Creatures, All Creatures Great and Small by James Harriet, is just like a warm sweater around your brain. It is the that greatest could be fucking good, shit. That could be a good match for Ted. So, since Mark liked Ted as well, should I watch Shit's Creek? Yeah, it's very funny. You'll get into it. It's it, it, I do it love is, a small town veterinarian. It is a it is a it is a comfort watch for sure. It's very fun, very easy to watch, very hilarious. The characters are really funny. It's good. 
Uh, so as always, if you want your own book recommendation request, if you want us to recommend things based off your favorite show or movie, we will do so. Send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Christy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags and shirts and stickers in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And also remember, remember, folks, that Maximum Fun Drive is coming. It's coming soon. We're very excited about it. Keep an eye on the show notes. Keep an eye on the show. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up. And if you like the show and you want to do something free and nice for us that makes us feel good and makes do, does well for the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more readers. Um, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.